podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the weekend of Neil Atkinson with Rob Gutman, with John Gibbons, with Craig Hannan. Uh, three of us are dressed for Aintree. Rob's dressed for the bin. <laughs> it's mean, isn't it? It's mean. He's just wearing a jumper. Right. He looks normal. Well, he looks got, like normal, I've Rob. got a fireside jumper on. A fireside. I'm not, I'm not in front of any camera today. And a gorgeous one at that, Rob. It is a Sir Marks and Spencer's jumper. Yeah, no flies. I shouldn't on be head. mean. I should never be mean to Rob. You can all fuck off. It's uh, it's, it's 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 you know it's it's like kicking a puppy. It's it's out of order. People get upset. What? When I'm, people get upset when I'm mean to you, Rob. People, it's like kicking a puppy. Yeah, sure, what is lovely. what is that meant to me? You're lovely. You're I know I'm lovely, but fuck it, hell. You're a nice. I feel man. duly patronised. Fuck off, Atkinson. Get on with it. None, uh, of, none of this is going well for you. No, no, no. no. It's like when to... someone calls you harmless. Rob's, yes. not, Rob's not harmless. He's harmful. <laughs> uh, let's be very very clear on that one. Uh, he's a harmful puppy. Um, moving, <laughs> our, moving ourselves along, Rob. You are all about the title. You haven't. I've never am. known you be this much about the title in previous seasons where we've been going for the title. You haven't been this much about the title. Why are you this much about the title? Because we're properly good. I think. I think. You, well, what are the comparable? Which ones we've lived through? 13, 14, You were a nightmare. To be honest, you were a knobhead throughout. Uh, Try to talk everyone else out of it. Yeah, I just thought it. Let it happen when it happens. We had to come. We had to come down the back straight for that one. And so I wasn't. I, I don't like coming down the back straight. To, you, you're not going to win the title. I like to win the title from pole position. That's my life, early life experience. You win the title by being top at Christmas. You really win the top, being top all the way through. Yeah, you be the best team. You dominate the thing, and you feel like it's yours. Um, okay, we are adrift now by, a, but it's only by a paltry point, and it's not been for that long. And we we keep going back to the top. Yeah, those other seasons. You know, the other in in '09. We were always chasing United down from what a ten-point gap they had, and we 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 get it down to four. If, if I can go on about those years, and thirteen, fourteen, we had to bring an eleven-match winning sequence to finally get into point with three games to go, and went, we might win the league, and then we fucked it up. Well, we didn't fuck it up, but you know, it went away as quickly as it had, it had arrived. Was here this season? It's been there all season, tantalisingly within grasp, and I'm. Funnily enough, I think I'm one of the more positive around. There's squeaking in here like there's a mouse. Yeah, it's, it's, true, one, yeah. of the, it's one of the seats. It's possibly mine. It's, 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 it's the title mouse. It's, title. <laughs> it's squeaking it's squeaking with anticipation of what might yet happen. Um, <laughs> Sorry, are, shut up, shall I? We are one game away, John, from, a getting, from us hitting the... I think we're one win away from it really being the... I think it's, it has been the running. I think it's been the running since September. I think it was the running since Tottenham. Tottenham felt very running. But what I mean is the point where... Almost where City have had Fulham, Fulham away and Cardiff home, and now suddenly their fixtures, you know, become you know at the phase where you're going well, fair play to them if they win all them. Yeah, it does get tough for them, and it gets congested, and and they've got you know teams who are going to give them more of a game than Fulham and Cardiff did. I mean, that's not you know to have a goal Fulham and Cardiff that as good as they are, and 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 that's you know why 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 they're struggling, and 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 Fulham have gone down already, and and, and Cardiff will, will probably join them. Now it gets it gets much tougher for them, and, and although I don't think there was many Liverpool fans watching with expectation last night, I think a few more will be kind of coming up really. And it it's it's I think it's there for Liverpool if if they can if they can win all their games. That's that's what what I've felt for for a, for a few weeks now, and and I'm sort of sticking by it really. Uh, I think City will drop points, and I think it's up to Liverpool to make sure that they make that count. Starts with Friday. We're going to talk about the game in in a specific context uh, next uh, later in the show, John. But it is it's another challenge, really. And this is a side that in the in the 
when Rob's talking about having been involved for a while, the one thing I would say if I wanted to criticise this Liverpool side is they arguably haven't played well away from home for a fair few games now. Apart yeah. From, apart from Bayern Munich, which, by the way, you would have said was the hardest one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's been a, like, a little suspicion kind of all year about our away form, isn't it? We lost all the Champions League group games, didn't we? And, and although there's been some good performances in the league away from home, it, you do kind of sort of struggle to, to remember when the last one is. That said, Southampton are, are, are down near the bottom. Um, I think 11th place is, the te- is West Ham, who are the team highest in the table, who've, who've, who've taken points on off, off us. I'd like them to start doing better now to improve that. Um, <laughs> so that, that's go top half for Yeah, top really half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could have you know, done without them being absolutely rubbish against Everton um, for, for more than one reason, but largely to make that fact better. But, you know, it is... We, we have put these teams to, to the sword all, all season and you know there's no reason to, to suddenly doubt ourselves that we're going to do it on Friday. Um, Craig, last time I think Liverpool genuinely played well away from home in the league is arguably Friday night before Christmas against Wolverhampton Wanderers. When they go there, they win 2-0. Uh, there's a fireworks display beforehand. Hopefully there's one before the Southampton on Friday. But it does sort of tell the story that firstly, you don't play as many football matches as you think and that's worth pointing out that we actually haven't played that many away games since that Wolves game. Uh, but also secondly, that it has been a while since Liverpool have gone away from home and looked quite as dominant as they have done at home. Well, what better time to start doing it now? Um, I think that it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a funny season that way, and I think that um, you know that Wolves game that was that was that was the first sort of moment in this season where I sort of thought, here we go, this is a proper football side that can go away from home against a, a team that um, have taken points against the top six um, at their own ground, and, and we've gone there and got three points, and I think I think Friday could be. Friday could be a, a statement, not just for for Man City, but more for for ourselves. Really, I think I think that um, there's been there's been times through this season where we've kind of talked ourselves out of this Liverpool side, you know, being good enough to win this league or being good enough to challenge City, and you know, uh, maybe you know we're not scoring as many goals or we're not we're not um, blowing teams away like we did last year, we're not winning away from Europe. But um, this Liverpool side are are you know. Are are there uh, and are still fully amongst it and, and and are still you know still have a chance of winning the Champions League and um, look I am there's been a little bit of worry with me with this this game come Friday more so than maybe any other uh, in the run in um, and that's not because I don't believe in this Liverpool side it's just it's my my fear at this stage of the season of 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 you know, being let down. But I don't, you know, I, I really don't think this Liverpool side will last down. I think that a big win on Friday will kickstart the, what is really the run-in now. It's noticeable that last time uh, City dropped points, they had a difficult away game at Newcastle. Rob going right the way back into January, but that was when the congestion began to take hold and they, it was matched with a tough away. I mean, I don't think everyone, anyone really ever expected Everton back in early February to give them a proper game. Uh, and if you actually look at March, the way in which that congestion thing we expected to happen actually didn't happen. They only played five games in March, obviously the same international break as everyone else. It is the point where this is where the pressure comes on, isn't it, really? This is where the pressure comes on for absolutely everybody. Uh, you look at City now, they've got a, they've got the semi-final against Brighton two days later. Uh, they've got they've got Tottenham in the FA, in the Champions League, sorry. Then they get a little bit of a break, but then it's Palace away, then it's Tottenham again, and then it's Tottenham again. There is a, there's just a, a momentousness to those fixtures that if you're them, you're just thinking, good laws, how do we how do we navigate our way through this, however wonderful the squad is? Yeah, I wouldn't say they've been fortunate over the last in the post-Christmas period, but I think they've played people at the right time, 
Um, you look, which is a thing. We, which, which we, is a, we've which, done which that is, as well at times this oh, season. Oh, of course it is. It is. Um, and but it's also be, it's also been against us at certain points. And I, I think and we're facing Southampton at the worst time in the season. That's they've got three wins out of four. Um, I think they get Chelsea when Chelsea in a very bad moment, and it's that's demonstrated by the fact that Chelsea steal themselves to actually draw with City in the League Cup final. I think they get Arsenal where Arsenal have sort of the the wrong side of their form. Um, and the, yeah, the fixture, whereas, whereas for us, I think we, we're facing United. I'd rather face United right now than when, than a month ago when we faced them. So it's not quite run for us in that respect. I think we're going to drop points before now and the end of the season, maybe just in one game if we concentrate. But I think City will drop in more than one game, quite potentially. The key, Southampton is there to be won. We must win it, etc., etc. But we could drop points then, but then we could win our next five. The next two are the big ones in many respects. I suppose we're going to say that every game now, but um, it's it's Southampton away, Chelsea at home. You can't, I can't help but feel. I, I mean, I've said this before in title races: just win those two, and then it's ours. It, do you know what I've, I have felt for the last few weeks? It's in our hands. In as much as they won't win all their games, if we win, or if we if we do our job, and that's very very difficult to do our job to win all those games. We will win this league. I think it's about making sure that we win the next two, so that coming into that horrible run that they've got, the the pressure's firmly on them. Absolutely, uh, that's that's kind of what it feels like from my point of view. I feel like if we can win those two, then I'm fully here. We go. We're going to win the league. Yeah, I didn't answer your question. I just realised about City's congestion, but never mind. It's all right. What's different for me, Rob? When you started this talking to you about what's different, what's different for me for this season in thirteen, fourteen, and oh eight, oh nine is I do still feel like, and I know there's endless discussion as to how they're being used but I do still feel like there's 20 of them there's 20 footballers who can be part of this running for us whereas 08-09 by this point there was 13 or 14 you know I, I always cite that in the four all against Arsenal Benitez when he takes off Dirk Kout brings on Elzar and it's worth remembering that in 30 and in 13-14 you know by this sort of point Rodgers has basically got 11 plus Joe Allen yeah, uh, that he's picking maybe from Lucas. maybe yeah, Joe Allen and Lucas. So he's he's got thirteen that he's picking from by this stage of proceedings, and you can name ten of them, and then it's which of Joe Allen and Lucas gets gets to, to be first sub. Whereas right now it does still feel to me at least like there's twenty of them. We might even at times not like how many of them are being deemed as squad players. The controversy around not starting Fabinho last weekend as an example around that. But I think he still does feel as though he's got he's got a full squad. He's got options in defence. He's got options in midfield, and he's got options in attack. I think the current, if you go the literality of, of, of the fitness of the squad at the moment, where Oxlade Chamberlain's back, Ryan Brewster's back, Gomez is back. If you bring all those those lads into play, then I think that's very true. Um, if you can get any one of those, and now throw Naby Keita in as well, because he, he doesn't feel like we've had a full, fully fit Naby Keita for about six weeks. So you look at it in that sense, you're absolutely right. I mean, we can. You can, you can add three players to the to the main defensive core who, who will step in fairly effortlessly in Matip Lovren and uh, Joe Gomez. The midfield, you, you can perm a midfield from six players week in, week out, and it really doesn't seem to weaken it. Arguably seven. If arguably seven. If you include Shaqiri in there, arguably seven. Arguably seven, and I was going to throw Shaqiri, um, Chamberlain, you could go in midfield or attack, and and possibly people like Brewster, and now Origi. Um, Origi's bringing some form. And I think that's important, whereas Aspas wasn't uh, at that, that crucial stage of that season. Uh, we don't know what Daniel Sturridge might yet do. That's 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 a, a dream that Daniel does something ridiculous right at the death for us. Um, 
So yes, that's very much the case. Having said that, I'm not into unless we're unlucky with injuries. I'm not entirely sure we need the squad as comprehensively as we as we well, might have done at certain times. Certainly relative to City. It, right? I was about to say, John, this is but you can say relative to City, but we we rightly talk up City squad. But maybe I worry at times that we do so sort of not in a way that talks down our City squad's being expensively assembled. It's an unbelievable. It is an unbelievable group of players, but you can still only use fourteen of them in any given match day scenario. And I'm I'm very all right with our 40. You know, maybe this is me. You know, because it, in the past it has been a bit of an embarrassment of whatever of poorness of the whatever the opposite of richness is in the in this context. You know, City do have an embarrassment of riches, but the manager should be able to pick a bench every game and then be able to make changes from that bench every game that genuinely help Liverpool. Sturridge didn't make the last match day squad. Yeah, did he not? I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, he's he's. he's we are in a good position, you know. I mean, you're only having a couple of injuries away and all that. I've, I've assessed it slightly differently, but we are in a good position with regards to the squad. And look, City made seven changes last night and looked really strong, you know, though that's impressive. I can't think of any game for Liverpool now between the end of the season where we need to make seven where changes. Where you want them to. Yeah, yeah, or you even want them to, you know what I mean? Even if they do something ridiculous against Porto at home, you know, even put Porto, Porto away, it wouldn't surprise me if he just decides to go strong just for momentum, just for rhythm, and just for, you know, giving people another exa- a, a chance of your experience of, of going to, to, to European away ground and, 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 and seeing it out. And so, yeah, it's not the, it's not the time of the pay, uh, season where, where you either you really want to be kind of making, you know, big numbers of changes. I understand why Pep did last night or, or Wednesday night because I think, you know, he's, he's in a situation where, you know, he's got a lot of games coming up and he wants to kind of use the squad. But I think And it's the, arguably his last breather. This opportunity, the Cardiff game was his last breather. Yeah, I think. yeah, probably, yeah. So it's his last chance to give someone like Foden a start. I don't think you will again necessarily see that, you know, um, this this season at least. And so I think for Liverpool, I think we're we're in a, you know, we we've the, the point of going out the cups early was for this, wasn't it? That was that was the sell. That was the sell to everyone. You know what I mean? I was sacrificed the cups because you know we want to have this good run at the two tournaments that matter, and we've got that now. And as you say, I'd I'd be shocked if there was more than thirteen mm. different starters for Liverpool between now and the end of the season. If you look at it forensically, just parking a Champions League semi final for now because that'd be a nice problem to have. If you look at the, the, the fixtures from now to the end of the season, there's only two games where Klopp's really would have a rotation issue away from his best eleven, and that's by the time we play Porto away and then Cardiff at home because those two are sandwiched quite close together. You could argue that he, he might want to mix and match between those, but everything else is beautifully spread. Just on this substitutes point, uh, Craig, on sat on Saturday's game against Fulham, uh, City's bench, Dinolo, Stones, Sane, Fernandinho, Mares, Jesus and Murich, uh, our bench against Tottenham, Fabinho, Lovren, Keita, Lalana, Mignolet, Shakiri, Origi. I'd argue that maybe bar the idea of maybe swapping Sane for Lalana or Shakiri. There's not actually a million miles in that. I like Jesus as a player, but he's not set the world alight this season at any stage of proceedings. Fernandinho, you can you can square off up against um, up against Fabinho in that regard. I think Stones is a perfectly good centre half, but then I think that Lovren's a perfectly good centre half. My point is, is that there's you know there is a when our bench is not quite as strong as theirs, but it's not a million miles away. It's actually pretty close. No, I don't I don't think there's a massive gap in them, um, and I think that there's far more to come from the players that are on our bench at the minute. We haven't seen a lot of Shakiri recently. We haven't seen much of Kite all season. Um, and the likes of Origi now, like Rob said, he's coming into form. He's you know he's making a difference. You saw him against um, against Spurs at the weekend, where he, time and time again he was just getting his head down and going at them, driving at them, winning the corner, which I think 
eventually results in the goal. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking at that bench and thinking, well, there's that. And then there's, you know, maybe an Oxford Chamberlain or, or a Gomez um, is able to come in and make a difference. At least one of them, then that's another body. Daniel Sturridge doesn't even make a bench. We've got players there that um, that can be used. And I think, you know, in past uh, title races, that's not something that we've had the luxury of having. Like you said, 13-14-08-09. So, um, that I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not up nights worrying about um, City's bench or you know all of the options that they have. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see how they navigate this this um, run that they've got over April. Um, we will get on to Southampton in a few minutes' time. Uh, we're also going to be speaking to Chelsea Grimes. You did that, didn't you, John? Yeah, she was boss. Um, she is to come. Uh, songwriter and footballer Chelsea Grimes, uh, written for Dua Lipa and Kylie. A lot of Dua Lipa excitement in the office when she came in. Uh, we are also an entry. It's why if you're watching any of these clips, you can see us all wearing suits, apart from Robert said at the top of the show. Uh, so whilst in entry, we're going to be looking ahead to the Grand National and talking about what the Liverpool weekend does around that in association with our friends at Reds Bet. Uh, we We've also uh, got something coming up with Chris Kirkland's new app, and we're going to have a look ahead to Southampton. It is your weekend, I don't go anywhere. And it's the weekend, though, and it's John Gibbons. I'm delighted to be joined by Chelsea Grimes in the studio. Uh, we've met before, Chelsea, uh, but it's the first time in the Anfield app, so what do you think? I, f- I feel good, yeah. It's just <laughs> I, every time someone just introduces me, like, and I hear Chelsea, I'm just like, oh, every time I'm doing football. <laughs> I've been, this week, I've been getting a bit of. A bit of um, a bit of stuff online actually about it because the more sports stuff I've obviously yeah. been seen doing, everyone's like, "Oh, your family must hate you. How can you be a big red?" And you go Chelsea. <laughs> but in my defence, like back then, I'm 25. Like they weren't anything. Yeah. So that, that's it. And it's spelled differently as well. And it is spelled you? differently. Yeah, C H E L C W. So. <laughs> I'm all right there, maybe. And you, but you, you, you play football. You actually play for another London club. You're Fulham now, aren't I'm you? I'm Fulham, yeah. Um, I was at Spurs, and but I played for Liverpool for six years, from ten to seventeen, and then obviously went on to do a bit of music. But I just missed it too much, and I got back into it like two seasons ago. And yeah, our season just finished. We finished sixth. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next season. Like, I'm enjoying it though. But you, I mean, obviously, we're, we're going to come on to talk about the music stuff a little bit more. But is it is it tough to kind of combine the two? Is it sometimes you know you 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 back late from somewhere and you think I've got to get up in four hours to go and play footy? Yeah, it is hard. Um, to be honest, I'm just right now. I'm prioritising. Obviously, the more busy I'm getting with music, it is yeah. harder to make every training session. But obviously, if there's a cup final and <laughs> something like that, I'm, I'm trying to be there for everyone. But, you know, if I'm in the studio, I would like do a leap or something. I can't be like, see you later, babe. I'm just going <laughs> to You know, so it's it's just about prioritising for everyone, really. Yeah. Just take it as it comes. So what kind of player are you if you were to compare yourself with someone or, or, or just you want to describe your style? Well, I, I'm a number 10. So, you know, like running at people with the ball, creating and also betting a few chances like when I get it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, well, a few seasons ago, I'd say like Coutinho was oh, like okay. my, my guy, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, Southern. Yeah, he's, he's gone. I really mean, you just mentioned the kind of the music stuff there and that's like really kicking off for you as well. Um, you know, you've written for some amazing people, you've worked with some amazing people, like, you know, you must be like pinching yourself in terms of how that's gone recently. Yeah, it's mad, you know, I think... Um, for anyone in music, you know, to, to start, I was obviously signed as an artist first, but was alongside that when I was like trying to figure out what my sound is and all that, 
I just started writing for a few people and the first song I got was Carly Minogue, do you know what I mean? So as a songwriter, like, you know, you usually start baby steps, like brand new artists. And my first song was on a number one Carly Minogue album, which yeah. like had Pharrell and Sierra and these amazing. And then my name, Chelsea Grimes, is on there. I was like, oh, this seems easy. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it was a bit of beginner's luck. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I done I done three songs on the last Dua Lipa album, which yeah. has obviously turned into a bit of a, a bit of a Scouse favourite. Um, but yeah, and that that was the highest stream and female album ever, which wow. has been amazing. We're doing a new album now. I'm back in with it on Wednesday. Um, yeah, and it, I don't know. It's just I, I just put a song out a month ago with Jonas Blue as well. We shot that video in in Colombia just before Christmas, and it's done twenty million, like in four weeks, which is just like mental. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's yeah, it's going really well. Um, my new singles out end of April, so I'm just buzzing for that. Yeah, because you weren't into, obviously you you're writing for people and that's really cool, but obviously you've got aspirations to to be kind of your own artist yeah. really and and to kind of get that out there as well. So the new single presumably is kind of a big part of that. Yeah, you know I've released like two so two soft singles, so be, you know the way it is now in music, you don't just go all hammer and tongue with ever and like straight away. It's kind of like a growth with the way people stream music. It's nice to be found like organically, and like I said, you know. If I was a lad, maybe I wouldn't even got into music because if I was paid a nice salary from the age of 14, 15, 16, <laughs> then I wouldn't have had to go and look for another job. But unfortunately, I am a woman and, um, you know, the pay just wasn't the same. So it just so happened that usually everyone has another job, but mine was in music and you have to kind of treat it like a football career. You've got to give everything and, yeah. you know, be everywhere. And, um, and yeah, it's just, it's been nice to see, you know, the progression I didn't ever want to be a songwriter, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me to find that. And like I said, I've gained like a lot of respect in the industry and and I can, you know, on a Monday write a country song, on a Tuesday do a dance song and it's just, it's forever changing. I love it. Yeah. So how does it work in terms of, you know, writing for other people. Um, I mean, presumably it, it's all different depending on, but but do you, do you kind of write stuff and then kind of throw it out there and see kind of what labels grab it? Or, or is it a case of, you know, it sounds like with Dua Lipid, it's a bit more of a kind of a, a collaboration, really. Yeah, it, it does. Again, like I said, it, it just, every day is different. There's no yellow brick road at all. With Dua, she's constantly, she's always in the studio. So that's not really like, I write it on my own and then send it to her and she records it. But a lot of the time, it's 50-50, like, I just done the new Tom Walker song with Zara Larson as well. Um, again, he was, he's very hands-on, so he was in the studio. Um, but, you know, the Kylie one, I just wrote it and we sent it to her and she was like, love it, and recorded it the next day. So it just it all depends. And some artists I've never even met over the other side of the world. Yeah. You know, we'll just randomly songs will tie up and find a place. Like I had a really big hit in Asia last year, which was like mental. Um, and yeah, I didn't even know that was coming out until like I seen it online and I was like, I swear that's my song. So yeah, it's forever changing. Okay, I mean, I've got to ask you whether you spoke to Dua Lippin about Kiev and about kind of that that moment where, you know, suddenly there's, there's 10,000 Scousers jumping up and down to music. Have you, have you chatted to her about it? I have, yeah, I have. I was in the studio with her like, I don't know, when was it, like two months ago or so? And I haven't seen her because I think she's only been in the country for like 22 days of the year. She's had a mental year. But I, I showed her some videos and she was just like, it's crazy. Like, her manager as well is a big Liverpool fan. Okay. So he was just made up. And um, yeah, she, she loves it. She's like, it was never supposed to be that. I don't think she's the biggest football fan. But, you know, that's that's the best kind of thing, in it? When something like that happens. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, she's an on- honorary red now. <laughs> she's made up. So we're going to try and get her to Liverpool, like a big, big show, Anfield yes. or something like that. We, yes. need to, we need to get her a big gig. Yeah, well, listen, I'm telling her all the time, whenever you play Anfield, we know it's going to sell out. So do it. <laughs> do it as soon as you can. And she's well up for it, yeah. Yeah, so obviously you're a big Liverpool fan as well. Um, going great this season. Uh, fantastic to watch. And I know you used to go the game whenever you can as well. And I met Jürgen recently as well, which is pretty cool. I did, yeah. I just, I've just done a small deal with New Balance, obviously, who are our sponsors. And, um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. I was just like, yeah, it's connected to the club. Anything I can do around Liverpool, obviously, I'm I'm keen for it. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, you can... Uh, got a photo shoot next week with Jürgen at Anfield like and I was like okay like, <laughs> and yeah it was it was amazing to be honest like he didn't want to talk at all about football he was just more into the fact that I'd done music and he was like oh my god like so you sing you play football like you're a songwriter what, what what can't you do and I was like to be honest mate I'm a terrible cook <laughs> so you know you win some you lose some but um yeah he was boss I just kept like trying to prod him to see if he was real because he was just like yeah it's a bit, like I'm a massive fan obviously of him and he's just such a character. And yeah, it was a little dream come true for me. I just got to go down, you know, after being being a kid and going to that ground every single every single game I can and all the history in it. And then finally just walking on there and me and Jürgen having a little chat, a few shots. And, and we'd done some filming as well, which was hilarious because his accent obviously was a bit like, he kept messing the line up every time. I think his line was like, what are you waiting for? And I'd go to him and he'd go, what you are for waiting? And I was like, almost next time, mate. Again. Trying to coach yeah. you. But, um, but yeah, it, it was brilliant. And he, he was such a lovely guy. Um, yeah, so fingers crossed he, this year for us is, is the one. I still believe massively. Everyone in London gives me terrible time or you still think you're going to win it oh it's all over I'm like mate you just watch (laughs) Man United beat City it's written in the stars for us come on written in the stars I mean so in terms of your own ambitions for for as a musician obviously we've got the single coming out uh, I say wait I'm not on it Um, (laughs) you've got the single coming out in April (laughs) yeah yeah if you need a trumpet player I'm here Um, and then then later in the year have have you got sort of anything kind of set in stone any plans well, there's loads of, like I said, there's loads of other songs coming out that I'm a part of on yeah. other projects and stuff, which I'm dead excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just really seeing as it comes. I'm, I'm in France for the whole Women's World Cup from June to July. I've just done a big deal with the BBC there. So I'll be on TV a lot doing amazing. that. So that's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a TV show now with the BBC called Chelsea Away. And it's been on Football Focus every every month. Um, and it's a three-part episode piece that basically I was finding when I'm in the studio, all anyone wants to know music is what I'm doing with football. And when I'm playing football, all my football mates just want to know what I'm doing in music. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe I can do a show here. And then I met yeah. someone and, um, and I said, you know, I just want to basically take all my music mates and go to maybe watch a match with them, learn a bit about them, talk music, talk footy. And it's been brilliant. Like, it's gone down a storm. And, you know, I'm on Football Focus, like... It's just sick. I love it. Like it's just mental <laughs> because I'm like I'm doing music, and I thought all that had been left behind, and it was such a big, you know, football's been a massive thing, and I constantly go back to it whenever I'm having a low time in music. You know, I do think about Istanbul sometimes, three 0 down. <laughs> it's like that in music. You know, you might yeah. have a song and you'll be pitching it, or you know, the single gets pushed pushed back a bit, or you might not feel inspired. And it's always just the fact of you know, it's only half time, anything can happen, and within a day you might get a call, and it could be. You know, Beyonce's talking song next week, and and it changes drastically. Yeah. So it, there's so many similarities between the sport and between music that keep me going. To be honest, yeah. 
Yeah, it just just feel that though that I mean it's it's I know it's a huge amount of work and and you say it goes to highs and lows, but it does feel like you've sort of you know when you're eleven, you're like, what do I want to do when I grow up? I'll be a footballer, <laughs> but it'll also be like a pop star and stuff like that. And you've like basically nailed every kid's dream oh, life. Mate, it is, it is hilarious. <laughs> like I got a like you know if I'm in a bar or something, someone's trying to chat me up or whatever. They'll be like, what you doing? I'm like, well, I'm a songwriter, I'm a singer, I play football. And they're like, yeah, yeah, what you doing? And I'm yeah. like, no, really. I'm a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, sometimes people don't believe me, but you know what? I think it's it's just the new, it's the year of the woman right now for me as well. And I That's think right. as a lot of young girls are looking at my socials. And, and I get so many messages off young girls saying, you know, you just, it's inspiring to see that, you know, you're not just out there doing one thing. And, and I've got a lot of passions and I think right now, why just do one thing? Maybe last year or a few years ago, people would go, oh, well, you can't do them all because you don't get taken seriously. But, you know, I've got a TV show. I'm, I'm playing football week in, week out for a club. We get treated amazing. You know, I'm in a record deal. I'm tired as hell. <laughs> but I'm I'm absolutely living my dream and I do think, you know, that ten year old who who was in the crowd watching Liverpool all them years ago, like wishing to just do something and you know, you never know what's gonna happen and I think, you know, I, I should be proud of myself. Like I I've I've been you know, it's not all been amazing and I've had a lot of lows, but I think right now it's the ship starting to like starting to settle and hopefully Cherry on top of the cake. Liverpool come in the league. Come on. I'm like, honestly, that's a that's a massive dream. Every time someone's like, make a wish. That's my wish. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the number one. <laughs> Literally. Oh, amazing. We well, should be proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. I've already made your choice. So, uh, no, it is, it is amazing. But thanks a lot for coming in. And thanks to Chris for sorting it. And, yeah, probably thanks now so back much. to Neil. From Aintree uh, for your little weekend of segments in association with Red's Bet. Red's Bet partnering with the Anfield Rap in 2019. It's Neil Atkinson and I'm with Tom Lee. Really pleased to be with RTE's Tom Lee. And in fact, Tom, we've chatted a few times about Aintree. And one of the things you keep saying to me is it reminds you of Ireland. It reminds you of certain Irish race courses where everyone's in together, everyone enjoys it, and that's what you get at Aintree. 100% that's what you get at Aintree. There's something just distinctly fun and just very, very enjoyable about these three days in particular. I mean, you get other days at entry race course, but this really, if you if you boil it down to what's it really all about, 4th to the 6th of April 2019 is really where the action is. And I think when you see the crowds coming in here and you see the effort that people make, and also don't forget that, I mean, the next best thing to, to being Irish, I guess, is is to be from Liverpool because, well... I guess in the in the um, in days of old, what's the what's the thing you'd see on the horizon if you look if you squinted far enough, you'd see Dublin looking you hard in the eye. So I think there's a lot of similarities there as well because when you go racing in the likes of Leopardstown in Dublin, one of the urban tracks, I think the atmosphere is very similar. One of the things that I think will surprise people if they didn't know about it, and it's interesting we've got Craig here who you know it's the first time he's been to Entry, and I think one of the things that would surprise people, Liverpool supporters from around the world really, is the extent to which the city of Liverpool gets stuck into entry. Even the very fact that the course is this close to the centre of the city is wild. It's a reminder that Liverpool is actually much closer to farmland than people might think. It's almost this little geographical accident in a strange way, but everybody gets stuck into it. See, that's one of the great things. And, and what, what qualifies a football stadium to have a real, real buzz and vibe and atmosphere about it, being in an urban location. Think when you go to St James's Park in Newcastle. Alright, you need it 
oxygen and, and, and kind of like ski poles to get to the top of the steps to the away end. But there is something undeniably great about St. James's Park, about when we used to have the finals at the Millennium Stadium. You come out of those n- t- tight-knit streets, out of the pubs and the bars and the restaurants and into the stadium within a couple of minutes. Whereas you look at the distinction now between, for example, if you want to go to the stadium of Nice or Lyon or Bayern Munich, you have to get on public transport for seemingly forever. It's like flying Ryanair to somewhere that's not even in the same spot. And there's that sort of distinct difference here where being a relatively urban race course, people can go into the town, they can, the ladies can get the makeup and the hair done and all this kind of carry-on, they can get the tan done, uh, you can go and have your beers and meet your friends, hop into a cab, into a minibus, onto the, onto the public transport, whatever it is, and be down here in what, from the city centre? Ten minutes? It, it, it was unbelievable. I did it before. And it's, it's, it's 14 minutes from, from Liverpool city centre to be walking and walking at the race course. Precisely, and that's a very special thing because I mean, with a lot of these things, uh, you don't have that luxury it's further when you're going to Cheltenham and you don't have that luxury in so many locations you've got the actual hassle of having to drive out there of having to make a sort of special exception where one person's got to say well even if you lot are going completely bananas and having the first, first bottle of champagne at midday somebody's got to stay completely sane and sober and sensible to make sure you'll get in and out safely so whereas here never mind that <laughs> stay, stay in a city centre hotel have a big night out get yourself ready in the morning have the breakfast, buy the racing post, plod down to the races, enjoy. Enjoy is the, the thing. With an eye on Saturday, that is the big day and that is the day that everybody looks forward to as much as they do, Tom. It is, firstly, it's a festival you were just saying to me before, from where we are, you can see the open terrace where the punters will be, where the punters will be going absolutely spare as my favourites come in on Saturday. It is a, it's a serious, serious day's racing, which gets the ultimate in punctuation marks as far as, as, far as the, 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 the year of racing is concerned, with the, with the Grand National now at 5.15. See, there's loads of exceptions here, Neil, because... It's the biggest field. It's got the most fences. It's got the most famous fences. It's got the, it's got the biggest prize purse. Uh, but also, it's got the biggest, uh, if you will, differentiation. Because for all that, some years you'll get something like, say, Don't Push It way back in 2010 for John Joe O'Neill and AP McCoy. 10 to 1 joint favourite. It seemed like the world and his wife had a pound on Don't Push It. Whereas, in the same similar sort of time span, the year before, Mon Mome. 100 I was on it you're the only person you were literally the only person 66 to 1 2013 Aurora's on court wasn't on that it was silent when he came in people were congratulating him sure but, but I mean everyone was sort of saying who is it I was actually I was on the roof of the I was working with Channel 4 that day I was on the roof of the um, the weighing room we had a camera position up there I had a feed coming in I was detail to kind of commentate on each horse walking around the paddock before the race and on my monitor I'm thinking what the heck is this where's this come from and again as you say 66 to 1 33 to 1 rule the world in 2016 um, I was lucky I got a couple of quid on Pino Duray in 2014 when he was 33 to 1 so you get all these different sort of bits and pieces of stories and then you fast forward to 2019 uh, the public horse no question is going to be last year's winner a uh, tiger role for Gordon Elliott who's won it twice down the years he's had another brilliant season he's mob handed in the race he's got nearly a third of the entire field and in tiger role he's got this redoubtable little horse remarkable little horse who's won four times in the Cheltenham Festival uh, he's won this race previously uh, he's amazing he's like a, he's like a sort of dynamo of a horse he just keeps going and the further he goes the better he gets hard as nails so you can understand why people want him the problem is 
he's only going to be three or four to one. And maybe if you go, if you really, really want to put the Kagul and the Anorak on and get low down and dirty with the, the history and the trends, go back to 1919. The shortest price favourite ever for the Grand National was 11 to 4. Just maybe, come around about 5 o'clock on Saturday, if people really get excited about Tiger Roll, he could be the one that challenges that. And we could have a Grand National favourite that, as ludicrous as it sounds in a 40-horse race, uh, is sent, sent to post at something like 2 or 3 to 1, 5 to 2, 11 to 4, something like that, which really, relative to the challenge faced, is crazy. But of course... The horse doesn't know his price, and if he goes and wins, <laughs> if he goes and wins, and you back him, you say, "Well, never mind that. I put my faith in him, and he delivered." But I think there's loads of subtexts because you have to go back to '74 and uh, the legend that that is that was Red Rum for the McCains, for Ginger, and now for Donald McCain, who's a brilliant trainer in his own right here in the northwest of England. Uh, you have to go back to '74 to find the last back-to-back -back winner. So that's the history that this brilliant little Tiger Roll has got to try and defy. Uh, when you talk about horses carrying top weight in the handicap, uh, Annabelle Fly, second in the Cheltenham Gold Cup three weeks ago, uh, he'd again have to try and emulate uh, the weight-carrying performance of Red Rum to take top weight to victory in the Grand National. So that's not easy. And everybody's got an opinion. This is the beauty of it, Neil. You say to me, well, I was on Mon Moe. How? Why? I mean, what, what on earth possibly even in Soft ground. And it's done all right in soft grounds. You see, I, I look at the trends occasionally as well, Tom. I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm no you. I'm not as down and dirty with the cool as you are. I know you've got a few. This year you've been looking at the trends, Tom. Yeah, but do, do you know what I'm saying? Everybody's got a reason, whether it was soft ground, whether it was something to do with a... It could be a name or a place or just a hunch or it could be somebody's birthday corresponded with the race card number, whatever it is. I give you some actual real valid... You hit me. I will gladly hit you. I tell you, it could be some boxing match, this. Um, if you go back through the last four years, three times of the, of the last four, the winner has been exactly eight years of age. Uh, furthermore, go back through the last 22 years, uh, half of the winners were aged eight or nine. So is this trend between the horses who, in the lifespan of a racehorse, up to typically to 12, you're looking at those who are mature enough to be really rocking and rolling and big boys who can fight against the heavyweights? but you're probably looking with just enough youth and vigour on their side still to have a little bit of improvement up their sleeve. So you're looking at an eight or nine-year-old, you're looking at horses, and this is vital, I think, 10 of the last 11, they weren't prejudiced and jaded by previous attempts unsuccessful in the race. They were having their first crack at the national. They came there, they liked it, they took to it, bang, in they went. And here's the really important one, 34 runnings, think back, only four horses in the last 34 carried more than 11 stones so when you're I'm not saying it can't be done because think back a couple of years ago many clouds think back what we were talking about Red Rum and the, the, the link to Annabelle Fly these are real class horses but they'd have to be to carry top weights of victory in, a, in an entry Grand National so I'd be looking at a lightly weighted younger horse maybe from a stable who've had a winner in the race before maybe with somebody who's got something special up their sleeve and the two that really have come off the page for me Neil uh, Jury Duty uh, who's a horse who he's had a real interesting campaign his trainer Gordon Elliott who won with Tiger Roll last year he's got a pulse battalion of horses this year uh, this Jury Duty he took him to America to Far Hills in New Jersey and ironically won a hurdle race called the Grand National Hurdle back in October then clearly with a plan up his sleeve did he start racing him in November, December nope, gave him a holiday he brought him back at Down Royal in the north of Ireland just three or four weeks ago he won quite easily there that tees him up perfectly lightweight, under that 
crucial threshold of 11 stone and he's got Robbie Power on board and I just suspect something's just just niggling away to me saying maybe there's a bit more improvement there because you only got to go back 13 months and he was favorite for a four mile race at the Cheltenham Festival but that was when I'd say he was at the end of his tether after a long season whereas here and now he's only had a couple of runs this season I think he's going to be nice and fresh and ready to go and the other one again Elliot again 11 stone exactly so under the the, the crucial threshold again an eight-year-old Dunikos which is a bit of an unusual name but he might not be quite so unusual come 5.15 on Saturday. He's got one of the real elite jockeys on his back in Jack Kennedy. He's the right age profile. He's the right weight profile. What did he do to encourage us when he warmed up for this? Go back to his last race, literally. He won the Irish Grand National Trial at Punchestown in February. So that's a three and a half mile race. So that proves stamina. It proves form. He's trained by the right man. He's ridden by an absolute superstar and he's in the right parameters of age and weight. So I think when you weigh it up that way, he's going to be something like, it's hard to be absolutely certain about this, but I would guesstimate 25, 33 to 1. The other fellow will be slightly less, 16, 20, 25 to 1. Uh, but my approach is keep it open, give yourself a couple of chances against the field, and enjoy it for heaven's sake. If you get beat, it's the Grand National, it's a bit of crack. Uh, but to me anyway, uh, it's not Mon Moam quite, but it's jury duty, it's Dunikos, both of them, what, 25, 33 to 1 maybe, pound each way, let's go. Uh, you're really looking forward to the spectacle of it, I'm sure as well, Tom, just on that, you know, I love the, the star of the National, I love seeing all 40 of them there, all 40 of these horses, and the other thing to point out as well, it's an oft-had conversation, is the unbelievable progress made around the course last 10-15 years around the way in which the fences now operate the way in which the fences work for the horses don't work against them it's something that I know Aintree's worked so hard on I, I absolutely mean this more than more than I want to back the winner it's like backing a winner if, if all 40 in that particular race and all the other races across the three days come back safe and are back in their stables win, lose or draw on, on Saturday night the ones that come up from Ireland are back, back going on the boat yeah. uh, those that are pouring out to various corners of the UK um, that's that's the paramount thing because my own family are involved in racing my sister's a trainer and believe you me I know people will, will try and pull a face and say occasionally oh horse racing is barbaric it's cruel they're not looked after that is an insult to the people who pour their entire lives into working with those absolutely majestic animals. Trust me, if you, you would want in another life to be a racehorse in my sister's stable, they want for nothing. And actually, if you say, well, you get these, these myths that are peddled about, oh, but at the end of their career, they, they end up in all sorts of hideous places. She's got two fields both of which contain ex-racehorses which live the absolute life of Riley until their final breath has passed because she's so attached to them. They're not pets, but it's like they're part of the family. There's one horse that she currently trains. I swear to you, if I came down in the morning and there he was, there he was buttering a piece of toast and making a cup of tea, he wouldn't look out of place because he literally is part of the family and God willing he will be for many years even when he's not racing. So equine welfare, safety and standards, absolutely vital. But God willing, there'll be no issues on that score this year. Uh Let's all hope that that is the case. Listen, thank you very much indeed to Tom. Uh, I want to re-emphasize again, Red's Bet partnering with the Anfield Rep through the whole of 2019. They are our lead partners, and we're proud to have them as our lead partners. The work that they do, Red's Bet, and with the, the the other company, the Link to Fans Bet, around welfare, welfare for jockeys, welfare for horses, and the horse racing aspects, and all the charitable partnerships that they have as well are absolutely second to none there. We are proud to partner with them. Listen, if you are going to gamble this weekend, we would like you to do so with them, We but we would also very much like you to do so respectfully 
responsibly. That's what we're about here. We're not trying to convince anyone to do anything they don't want to do in the first place. But if you do, do consider doing it with Red's Bet. We're proud to partner with them. It is the Anfield wrap. Let's get back on. So it gets closer, John, the launch of our app and the shift to our new pricing model. So we're going to try and do a very quick FAQ for people here. Go on. Um, so let's sort of do it in order. The, the app launch does not have a date yet because that's depends on our side more than on the developers but we're hopeful it'll be ready for testing very very soon and we're hopeful that it'll be by about the 20th of april okay yeah mid-april mid-april uh multitude of sins <laughs> 20th of april be outside if it happens faster it happens faster than everyone's feeling well i've had a little look at it where it is so far it looks absolutely brilliant uh, everyone's done a really good job on it and i can say that because i've done very little uh which has been nice um but yeah no it looks great so i think everyone's going to be you know, really pleased with it. And I've seen people already saying things like, oh, I reckon I'm going to get more stuck into the writing, for example, because because it's all going to be there. And that, and that is the idea, to be honest. The idea is that, you know, it's everything under under one roof. If you like, it's everyone, everything in one place. Everything's just two or three clicks away. So whether you're someone who just listens to the free stuff or someone who, you know, who likes the video and likes to write and, you know, you can pick and choose. It's all there for you. And, yeah, all, all looks very great and very straightforward to use. It does indeed. So let me just go through a couple of the features slash things that are happening with it. The first thing I would say is that if you are uh, somebody who currently subscribes uh, and gets absolutely everything, uh, you'll be able to move to the £7 model uh, on the audio where it'll be the audio package that you currently have. The £5 package will be our skeleton service, and by that we mean we're putting something out, going to try and put something out every day. So if you're an existing subscriber and you want to stay on £5, you can. If you're currently not a subscriber and you want to come and get involved, you're not going to be able to go at the £5 level. Uh, that's only going to be for existing subscribers. It's 7 for all audio, and that's what we want people to be on. Uh, 7 for all audio, or 10 for for all audio and all video. If you only like the video, really, and you just want to get that, you can get that, and that's £7 as well. Uh, the video will be a the premium video will be able to be played with your phone in sleep mode. We're working really hard on the technical aspect of that, but we think we've nailed it. So uh, I'm going to make that as a three-quarter promise. <laughs> that should be happening, uh, that the premium video you should be able to just listen to with your phone on sleep mode if you want to do that. So that is available for people. But we're making the video, and we're building new formats, and we're working on it because we want the video to be something that you've got to watch to be quite honest with you so you will be able to just have it in sleep mode but you've got we want you to be able to, to we want you to want to watch it uh, that's the aim with this that's what we're being ambitious about and we think we're you know we launched the stat show the other week there's going to be another one of them and there's a few more formats going along with all the stuff that we do around the games what's currently on youtube um other than second look and on this day stuff so post-match pint um preview and uh, second look will all be going as the premium video that was the intention right the way back in august we said that at the time but i recognize that some people might not have been watching that back in august but that was always the intention the hope with this app was that we were going to launch it in october we had a bit of a decision to make when we realized it was going to come back to the spring and we decided just to continue with that video because firstly we're in the swing of it and if you're trying to tell the story of a season you don't want to be stopping and starting and secondly to get those formats where we wanted them and to continue to progress them so that's where that currently is and that's the plan with those little bits and pieces any other obvious questions john for people um just that if you uh, a lot of people have said you know if uh, can i continue listening to the audio how i do that the answer to that is yes uh, we want you to enjoy the app we want you to download the app we want you to you know to, to to use the app because we think it'll be the best way to kind of access our services but if you've obviously got you know your way of listening now you've got all your podcasts there and you want to keep going with that 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 is obviously completely fine you won't have to kind of listen through the app we just we just kind of hope you do because we've, we've, we've worked hard building it um i think that that is that, that that's more or less everything i mean obviously people kind of get in touch if you do have any questions but 
you know, we've generally on the price increase. We fought really hard about it. We haven't put the price up at all in four years. Uh, when we launched Tour Play, which was the uh, the day after Liverpool got knocked out the uh, the, the FA Cup semi final. So for those who say the Anfield rap cynically launched things at, at certain times, <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you that's not the case. Very much so. <laughs> um, yeah, we we fought long and hard about it. We didn't want to be one of these organisations who's, who's putting up twenty fifty p, you know, every every sort of few months, and so so you're not really noticing. We've we fought hard about the price. We've thought hard about you know how much more we're offering now compared to kind of when we started and how far the company's come. And obviously overheads have increased as well. But we just think that the offering's better. We think the quality's a lot better. You know, the, the gear we've got's much better. And, and also we want to just keep developing as a business, keep developing as a company, and keep developing you know creativity creatively really. And terms of what we're doing and so this allows us to do that obviously some people won't won't decide you know to come with us on, on this next bit of the, the journey and that's and that's kind of fine but we we hope that most of you will and we hope that you know all of you will will see will see that we you know agree with us that it's still really good value and yeah it's still the best place to kind of share the journey of support in liverpool very much so last little thing it uh, just occurred to me we, we look like we will again three quarters promise be able to do video through the website too yeah, that, the, the guys have been working really hard on that over the weekend again, and, and that looks really good. So, so yeah, if you'd rather watch on a desktop or rather listen on a desktop to the stuff which which we know that, that some people do, then you'll be able to do that. Excellent. Uh, as John says, it is sharing the journey of supporting Liverpool from the heart of the city. We're very proud of what we've done, but thank you so much for your support so far. We hope you come with us. And even if you don't subscribe, even if you don't pay the money, do do download the app. It's everything that you want and feel rap-wise. It's all in one place. Everything will come through there for you. Hopefully you'll feel more engaged. And also, as ever, please do tell your mates. And we're back in the weekend, and it is John Gibbons. I'm delighted to be now joined in the studio by Jack Knowles, who is an entrepreneur, but also here to talk to us about an app he's created called Yappa, which is focused around mental health and sharing mental health um, kind of issues, really. And and also, Jack, I think um, the idea of changing how we use social media and changing how we interact with people on social media, is that correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so uh, we kind of, we looked at... When I initially launched, well, I was thinking of launching Yappa, I was looking at other kind of social media that's used heavily now and just, we're kind of looking at thinking, are people actually feeling good when they're looking at it? For example, I did actually do a poll on Instagram and um, I, th- I think the question was roughly of something like, do you feel good or bad when you scroll for Instagram? And it was about 85% said they didn't. Wow. So it just shows what kind of certain social media can have an effect on people. So that's why when we were launching Yap, we just thought, why don't we launch an app that's just got no photos? It's not about likes and it's not about the number of followers you have. And since we've launched it, it's just gone through the roof, really. The feedback has been great. The emails we get daily have been just incredible. And... I'm saying to people at the moment, I'm just I'm waiting for kind of negative feedback just so I can think, oh yeah, you know what, we need to integrate that or we need to change that. But at the moment, everything's just been so positive. Yeah, which just shows the demand was obviously out there for something like this, wasn't it? And I think, you know, I mean, social media's kind of interesting how it's kind of developed really in, in, that, in that Twitter always seems to be such an angry place, doesn't it? And, and you know, is you know full of kind of anonymous people just kind of ranting at individuals all kind of the world and then instagram can somehow sometimes paint this kind of perfect version of someone's life that kind of that isn't real really it's just a kind of a snapshot and and both those things can be damaging kind of in their own ways can't they yeah definitely like for example we've got zero tolerance on trolls and uh bullying so 
any kind of report we have, we've got moderators that look into that account. And if they have been trolling or bullying a user and they get instantly deleted. And with our app as well, as you can only register via your phone number. So they'd find it very difficult to download the app again. Yeah. And so how, how does the app work in terms of its usability? So people download it on the phones and then, and then they, and how would they then get going on it? Yeah, so instantly you can invite your friends to use it if they're not using it already or you can add friends that use it or there's well-known personalities. Obviously, Chris Kirkland uses it. And then once you're on the feed, you scroll left and then it brings up the send the app screen. So then you can send any app you want and it can be dependent on your mood. So you could be feeling good, you're listening to the Anfield rap or... You could be feeling depressed. There could be a situation you're going through, so you can pick what you're going through at that current time. You mentioned Chris Kirkland there. He's someone who's been a bit of an ambassador for you guys, I guess. Um, you know, Anfield Rap listeners were known from from playing in golf for Liverpool, is and and also his recent involvement on the coaching side, especially with the ladies' team. But also, he's been someone who who has spoken up about about kind of mental health issues and about feelings and and. That's a real positive, isn't it, for someone like who's a footballer, someone who's come from such a macho environment, someone who's literally such a big guy to, to be opening up on these things and then, and then to be doing the work of you guys, you know, is, is, is a real positive. Yeah, he's, uh, well, without Chris, it wouldn't be where it is today, really. He's just been so supportive of it, helping with the promotion, etc. He's always saying that, nah, it's all Jacks, it's all Jacks. He's been doing the work, but Chris has just been superb, so I really appreciate him coming on board with it. And I mean... I went through issues with myself, just like Chris, and I think what we both agree is opening up and talking about it is the best thing you can do. And Yapper as a platform to be able to do that to your friends, etc., is just perfect. It's just perfect for it, fit, really. Yeah, so it it fits in quite well for kind of that side in terms of showing you how you're feeling at, at that kind of point, and I think that can be something that can just kind of start something really because often with with our friends you might you might say oh, oh you might say oh how are you doing in the streets or whatever and you just say oh yeah I'm fine it's that automatic kind of you know response really isn't it and and so so stuff like this can just allow in a kind of maybe a subtle way just to kind of allow us to, to let our friends know that actually we are struggling in a little bit and we could do with someone kind of reaching out yeah definitely definitely and then the the other feature on Yapper is we've got a local help section which is just going to be really helpful for anyone's going through a really bad period in their life. Yeah, so the app's there. It's available to download on on all, all platforms. Is yeah, it? I know it's on Android because I've got it. Yeah, it's it's free to download. Um, it's global as well, so anywhere in the world you are, you can download it. And what do you see the sort of the, the future of the app? Really, what, what would you like to sort of you know how um, would you like to develop it? Like we just wanna we just wanna help as many people really. Uh, we wanna get as many people to be using it. Um, obviously, we've got a target. We'd love to have a million users across the globe. Um, but me and Chris agree if we could just help one person that's going through a bad time, then that's just great for us. So I guess the the, the feedback that you've had must must really touch you in terms of you know for what you've just said. So the fact that you're getting these emails saying that you know people are not just enjoying using it but but it's helping them must be great for you yeah i mean i was just driving here now i just uh, there was a tweet sent to yapper saying watch out for yapper because this is going to be an app that's as big as the likes of twitter etc and just to read that is uh it's great because that's that's what we want to bring up to we want to bring it up to a real majorly used app yeah 
Yeah, and, and 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 it should be hopefully kind of kind of in the future, and and as you say, kind of just just changing maybe the way we we interact with each other online a little bit as well, and just change you know making us think about kind of you know what we post, what we tweet, and and just kind of how we interact with each other. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, the support from Liverpool FC has just been great. The support from people in Liverpool has been great. There's it's just been incredible, really. Just the response, the emails, the tweets I get, the messages, the people on Yappa that are messaging me. It's just been really just a great start for it. Were you surprised by the club's support? Because obviously getting someone like Liverpool Football Club to support someone obviously is huge in terms of you know their reach, but also it can be quite a sort of slow process, really. So for them to support quite a young app, really, is, is quite a big thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a... There was a number of discussions about the app of good amount of phone calls but they just absolutely loved it from the beginning so it's just great and the club like Liverpool that obviously follow a lot now and uh, it's just given the app real credibility as well um, and I'm obviously I'm a big fan of Liverpool now and I just obviously hope they win the league <laughs> they win the Champions League because <laughs> they've supported you so you, you want to give them a bit of support back yeah. that's fantastic so uh, we would encourage people to, to, to have a look at, at the app I, I had a little play with it around with it before and it seems sort of really easy to use and also you know just, just, just a nice kind of way to spend your time online so for those of us who are kind of looking at how much time we're spending online and also how we're, how we're spending it and, and the kind of people that we're giving kind of you know attention to it is a kind of a, a nice kind of antidote from that really so i wish you guys uh, all the luck and thanks for coming in jack awesome. and um yeah um if you do download the app and you, you enjoy it do let us know we'd like to get your feedback but in the meantime i assume i'm going back to neil welcome back back with rob back with john back with craig it is the weekender uh moving forward looking at southampton Rob, it is worth pointing out that they were 9 from 15 when Mark Hughes was sacked. Uh, since Hassan Hootl's come in, they're 24 points from 16 games. Given the rarefied air that we live in, 24 points from 16 games doesn't sound like all that many. But when you put into the context the fact that Arsenal are going at two points a game, so that'd be 32. That basically, at the minute, this Southampton side, since Hassan Hootl has become manager, are going at a pace not dissimilar to Wolves, not dissimilar to Watford. No, that's bringing a 55-point season, isn't it, effectively, Um so an eighth, yeah, and they're, they've got the form of an eighth, ninth place side, um, but it is it is a bit simplistic for a range of reasons. I think for us to just say they are that, um, I don't know. It's it, whether that matters or not. If we were going to Watford or or Wolves, well, we've we've been to Watford and Wolves and we've won, despite them actually both playing quite well on the night as well. Very much so. Um, I think it's evident in both games that we have to bring our game. We, you know, but then again, there, I don't think any Liverpool eleven that Klopp puts out at this stage of the season thinks it's a walk in the park or we just stroll through it. So I think we're going to bring our our intensity. If they bring theirs, I mean, we, it feels for a while like we've gone to far too many sides who wanted to play like the uh, the away side on their own grounds, and I include Manchester United, fucking United in that, which was ridiculous. Um, all these sides parking buses against us on their own grounds. It's, it's, it's very hard work. I think we'll, uh, Southampton's an interesting, always a, it's always, it feels like a fairly intimidating place to go. The crowd's close to the pitch. They need very little encouragement to get up. This, it's a Friday night under the lights. It's going to be on TV and all that. And I think their crowd will be a little bit expectant that, that this team can put down a marker display and get a marker result. And I think that helps us in a, in, in a sense. I think that there's, this is a manager who, 
Johnny's compromised from quite early on from getting in. He very much likes this 4-2-2-2 that he used at Leipzig. He's been playing a back three. We'll go on to talk about the fact that last weekend they went back to a four and, and have a chat about that in a minute. But it doesn't seem to me as though he's very much coming in with an eye on next season. And he's very much coming in with a job to do this season, which is to keep them up and then go into next season. And if you know if they were able to keep this form going into next season, then I think they'd be in decent nick. And the point here is I don't actually see him compromising hugely on the sort of football they like to play simply because it's Liverpool coming to town. I think that the manager's got enough credit in the bank, the result, the, the fixtures <coughs> to come, you'd, he would be confident he'd get enough points to be able to ensure that they, they remain safe, the way the teams are getting on anywhere around them. I think that we're going to get Southampton trying to, when Rob says trying to lay a marker down, not just get a result against Liverpool, but get their results against Liverpool. I don't know. I think I'd feel a little bit better if it was sort of one or two games further down the line. I think it's it's six games left, isn't it? I think if it was four, I think I'd feel a little bit more confident of the kind of thing that you and Rob, both and Rob are, t- are talking about. I think there's still that little bit of a, well, we need two more wins. And I think it's it's there's three teams, isn't there, with that kind of five-point buffer. That's still the case from, from the middle. Yeah, Brighton, points, Brighton Southampton and Burnley are yeah. all on 33, Cardiff are on 28. Yeah. So, there's, so there's three teams who are there who, who, who will all feel like they can maybe get dragged in or, or, or if not, they're already in. And, the, and there's three teams that kind of Cardiff are shooting for. And they'll... they'll I think Southampton, I think, you know, we want two more wins or, or one more win and, and three draws and, and then we're sort of all right, really. And, and that's what I mean by, you know, I feel like this game, you know, in an ideal situation, you know, it would would have been maybe a couple of weeks down the line where they might have had one of those wins and, and kind of feel like the pressure's off. I don't think they're quite feeling like that at the moment. And, and as Rob says, you know, the better teams than Southampton have, have changed completely how they played against us at home. And so... I think it'll be tough. I think they'll look to be hard to beat. I think they'll look to fight. And I think they've got some good combative players. And I think they'll take beating on Friday. They will take beating, uh, Craig. What they haven't got is many attack, much attacking talent. And what they also haven't got is ingredients. Um, he, <laughs> even if he was fit, uh, which is fitness, does need, still need managing. He obviously can't play against us this season because he's formally on loan. Um, that's the... Liverpool this season have only conceded two in the league or more on three occasions. You do struggle to see how Southampton score more than one against Liverpool in general, but also given the paucity of attacking options. I think so. I think I think probably the only reason that, um, and it's irrational, the only reason that I'm worried as well, I suppose that a that we're in a title race, but b that idea of like a Friday night and South they hate us as well. They, they? It's like a little faux, faux rivalry that they've sort of conjured up. They don't have a Portsmouth in the league, so they've decided they'll hate us because we've given them good money for all of their players. Well, you say uh, that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we on we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give them we, some money. Jack at my elbow. We just turn up before kickoff, just with forty million. <laughs> just go we are like forty cash. million. Sorry about everything. Big we think this cash. now makes it fair. I'll have a pint on us. Yeah. <laughs> And, and some. I bet you they'd kill to have us be sniffing around two of their lads now. Unfortunately, none of them are good enough. Hoiberg yes, might be good enough to be a squad player for Liverpool. Mm. I like Hoiberg. They'd like it to be more compelling, though. Trust uh, me, they yeah, had oh, they those lads try. once upon a time. But yeah, I think they'll be they'll be bouncing into this, and they'll want to they'll want to put a dent in our in our title charge to try and get some sort of revenge on all of this uh, this little weird rivalry that they've got with us. Um, but if Liverpool do what they can do, we'll be we'll be absolutely fine. Um, and I have very little doubt that we will uh, that we won't be able to. Uh, other things for people to worry people. I'm just enjoying worrying people, really. Rob, um, I, when you talk about lads who they've got, who were at least quite good. Um, Jay, James Ward Prowse's set pieces are, to use a technical term, the fucking business, mm. um, and we'll need we'll need watching and dealing with. 
Yeah, but somewhere else. I mean, I, fortunately, well, t- without tempting fate, we've become a side that deals with set pieces a lot better, notwithstanding the old blip every now and again, but then everybody concedes from set, set pieces. I, I think we're getting better and better at set pieces throughout the season. I don't know what the stats show, but I'm loving the variation of the ideas that have clearly been worked on the training ground. Um, against Tottenham, Trent Alexander trying to score from corners. I'm just I'm banging into that. Um, hanging them under, under keepers' bars is a really, really good idea in my, in my opinion. I, I think trying to score from corners should happen more. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because what can go that badly wrong? Yes, the ball comes out, and we've got we've got Virgil, who is the best in both bo- boxes in world football right now, um, <laughs> like a, to, like to, a Cardi. <laughs> yeah, he's so they so yeah. Of course, you you look at any of those sides and goes if they're going to do us, it's going to be from a set piece. I don't know what other threats they got. They got they, they picked Redmond last week again, didn't they? He's he's had games against us in the past, but carries it and runs direct, and he's good. Uh, he's good at running direct. He can also be bad at running direct. That's one of the things. But he's basically a latter day Darren Huckabee. Once upon a time, I remember them giving us a game at Anfield. Was it the League Cup semi final? Yeah. Where Bertrand and Redmond both gave us a lot of trouble down the left. And it was, I think Trent played, and I think it was a bit of a baptism. He beat us, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a bit of a baptism of fire. Trent, Trent's a bit older and wiser. Um, they played 5-4-1 against Spurs. They've been playing 5-4-1 all season, Rob, like I said before. Yeah. Um, but they did shift, shift to 4-2-2-2 against Brighton. It's the manager's preferred shape, but that was because there was a late uh, a late omission of Vestergaard. Uh, whether or not Vestergaard makes this one is a little bit touch and go still, even at the time of us recording this show. So, you know, I think that, I mean, being fair, they do push the fullbacks right on. They have the two holders in there of Hoiberg and Romeo, and they do push the fullbacks right on. There is, and that's both with over that, that's both whether they play the four or play the five. There is a... That suits us in an attacking sense. Well, I think that, I think that the, we actually want them to play. I'm going to keep saying it. We want them to play. I think John might be right if they do just sit there and shut up shop, but we want them to feel as though they can play some football. Yeah, and if that's the mode they're in, um, then that's, it's, that's all the better. I think the interesting dilemma for Klopp will be, does he want to go there and pick a team that dominates the ball? Because, I, I mean, when I first thought about it, I thought, yeah, he, he, will, he will go for one of those more compact midfields, the variation which it could include Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho. Or does he does he look at it a bit more like he did pre-Christmas, say Watford and Burnley away, where he goes, I'm happy not to have the ball here because we can really, really hurt these the t- on, on the transition. I'm intrigued, Rob. I'll just come back to you. Um, I'm intrigued as to whether or not he might think about going 4-2-3-1. And the reason why is before, mm. when I've been yeah. comparing this to Wolves away, it's not just a Friday nightness. He went for Bino and Henderson that day. He plays Keita, but he plays him in an advanced midfield role. And it doesn't quite go well for Keita that day, but um, it's still Liverpool do play 4-2-3-1. And I'm... I think we haven't seen it, but I wondered if you might think get Salah back through the middle, Firmino in behind, and Mane off a flank. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might be completely wrong. I think he might also have in his mind that Salah and Firmino uh, got on very well there last year. But I do wonder whether or not he might see this as an opportunity to to do something a little bit different, maybe give Wijnaldum another little tiny little bit of a rest and go from there. I I think it's possible. I I, I do too. Um... Yeah, who would who would the two be? Who who would the three behind the striker be? I'm not entirely sure. Um, as I said, it's it's the conf- it's the confidence without is the confidence to play without the ball. Um, I think we've seen a lot from Klopp in recent last couple of months, where he's hinted in his press conferences that he will go with the men the men or man in form in training. And I think you know he, we saw the Lalana selection. He, he might have not even picked a like for like for Lalana in the game. He picks Lalana had Lalana not shown in training. Naby Keita's had probably a couple of weeks full training, rested, after, didn't play in the international break. Interesting that he puts him straight back on the bench, leaves out someone like Sturridge. I thought 
if Nabi Kaitu has had a, a very mixed season, to put it put it lightly, uh, has brought a good week, he could be a selection. It's very, very hard to say. Jordan Henderson, I don't think it was his best game against Spurs, but again, Klopp, I think, had been impressed by him for England and in training in the preceding period and thought it was comp- so compelling to select him at the base of the midfield that he left Fabinho out. I think that could be the bigger governor than than, than uh, any sort of tactical imperatives. It's, John, it's... Uh... I actually think I think this could be the game that we're hardest to predict. I think I'd be surprised if we don't go four three three against Porto. I think it's Chelsea then the game after. I think four three three there, and I think people do need to steal themselves that there is every chance he will start Henderson, Ronaldo, and Milner uh, for that game against Chelsea at home. Uh, just get yourself psyched up for that now, lads, and let's not all lose our heads. Um, but I do wonder if this one. I, I like the four two three one at Wolves with with Fabinho and Henderson, and I I'd quite like to watch it this Friday night. I don't think you will. Sorry, Neil. I, I know, mate. I know. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to talk Jurgen into it. I don't know. <laughs> well, we know he listens. Um, I think he's four three three from now to the end of the season, and I think he's very the midfield that you've just warned people about between now and the end of the season. Fabinho's going to get a lot of games. I think he'll get some. Um, I just don't. Th- I just think he's decided he's not messing about now, and all these, all these, all the lads who are messing about a bit, and all these formations that are messing about a bit, he's just finished with, and he's just, he's just. He's he's got the lads who he wants, and he and he's gonna just pick them and pick them, and pick them between now and the end of the season. I think Fabinho is the one. I said thirteen before, and I? I think Fabinho is the one who's who comes in and out a bit of a more, you know, for rotation reasons, for for tactical stuff. And I think there's, you know, there's there's there's, there's obviously the Joe, the Joe Gomez kind of um, fella fella to come back as well. But I think I think apart from that, I think he's just he's just picking lads that he thinks are just gonna are just gonna get him through. I, I, I think there will be needs to rotate and I think it, there are certain fixtures, John, where you've got like Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, where there is no ambiguity, those sides will... will I just think there's season. basically eight games left this season because I'm not count- counting the Champions League final because it's in July. And so like, <laughs> I think there's basically eight games left and I think he's just like sod it. And boom, these, these are me boys. I think, if, where, I think where, where'd you fall on the Gutman Gibbons divide? Uh, <laughs> it's not a chasm. Let's be right. I think, <laughs> we're, I think, we're holding talks overnight. We were positive about today. Went it was constructive. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll see. I think it's we'll not, see a lot more of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Milner than than a lot of our fan base would like. And I think um, it's. I think it's a year to the day since we beat Man City three uh, nil in the Champions League last year. And when you look back on that Champions League run and how many times that that three were the three in the midfield that did the job. Chamberlain was in that three, wasn't uh, it? No, no, I, I don't just mean that game. I mean the Champions League run so, as, sure. as a whole. So you look at Roma away. That was the that was the three that did sure. it for us. Um, and look, I'd, I love Fabinho, and I think over the past six months he, he might be uh, have become my favourite Liverpool player. But and I'd love to see more of him rather than Henderson in there. But I just think I think. John's right. I think that Klopp will will go for that three more than we would like him to. It's Ten games, sorry, isn't it? Not eight. Apologies for to Barcelona there. Um, <laughs> how about, look, John, there's question as to who the fuck they're trying to kiss. If they, if they do indeed get through against Manchester United, which you know Man United are currently making it look as though it'll be more straightforward than you'd imagine, but Barcelona did ship. I'm confident, uh, man. You were going to knock them out, and we're going to play them in the semis. I'm banging into you. I mean, it'll be, it'll be, Barcelona, having the greatest it, night of their lives, and then us dumping them out. It'll be cheaper. It'll, yeah, hugely more convenient. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm into winning the European Cup here. And I think saying. Man United are better. I know you're just saying, John, but I'm also. You, think Man, United are, <laughs> you think Man United are better than Barcelona? No, or better course, for Liverpool. Yes, it's better for us to have Man. Yes, United because they're Barcelona. considerably crapper than Barcelona, but they also have a mad result in them, and they can beat Barcelona. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know. Uh, will Liverpool be, beat Southampton? I think it'll happen. Yeah, he said, gr- clenching things. 
Um, <laughs> I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to get to do another domestic away this season, and I'm so pleased I'm going on Friday. Like, I feel like I'd be a basket case if I wasn't going. Like, I think I can cope with Cardiff away. I mean, I'm saying that now, but I think I can cope with Cardiff away and watching it from home But on Easter Sunday. But the idea, when I say from home, uh, from any one of the city's fantastic hostelries, maybe, <laughs> maybe part owned by Rob. Yeah, not with me family. Yeah, no, not that, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Those pricks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, John, uh, will Liverpool beat Southampton? Yeah, I think so. And I'm also going to predict that you're going to go to Newcastle away. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, Craig, will Liverpool beat Southampton? Uh, they will. I remember being worried about this fixture last season and the Reds just swept them aside. Uh, and I think they'll do the same this week. Um, I think it's going to be like Watford away, where it's off for a bit and then suddenly we're 3-0 yeah. um, That will be fine, but I do very much want to. Adam Melia, as I keep saying, it said to me drunkenly at Hot Chip after, Saturday, after Sunday, I've had enough of people saying I'd like close but significant feeling wins now. I would now like to score after 10 minutes and every 10 minutes thereafter. If that could be arranged, (laughs) (laughs) that'd be fantastic. Uh, Thank you very much to Rob, to John and to Craig. I also think Liverpool will win in Southampton. Uh, I also think it may not be a battle of laughs. Sports Social Podcast Network.